You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. We've been working on the life of Joseph, and Joseph, he was someone who was separated from his family, ripped off from them, and for the longest time, and then there was a reconciliation at the end, and when he was already back with his brothers, the same brothers who, who duped him and sold him as a slave, you know, and treated him as like garbage, he was reconciled with them. Audie will t- 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 tell more about that. But, but when he was finally reconciled with them and he with his brothers, Genesis 50 verse 20 says, I want you to say this, read this with me together. Everybody say, you plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good. One more time, everybody say, you plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good. There are people here who entered through those doors carrying bad stuff that has happened in your life. Maybe you've, you bring here the conflicts that are happening in your family. You've been devastated because of some problems that you're going through at work and you feel that your career is gone. Some of you, you've come through, you, you came through those doors with a broken heart and broken relationships. Some of you, you've, you stand here with a health issue. Bad things happen to good people. This is what's happening in this world. And the better and the earlier you embrace that truth and accept that truth, the better for you to be able to thrive. Let's not deny it. Bad things happen to good people. But I want you to see the faith of Joseph who in hindsight, everybody say hindsight. He went through so many trials. He went through so many difficulties. He went through so many storms. And then when he looked back, he can tell his brothers to their face, you plotted for evil. But God turned it to good. Whatever bad thing you're going through right now, your pain, He will turn it into purpose. Your burden, He will turn it into a blessing. And your storm and your struggle and even your sin, this is how crazy God is. Even your sin, your failure, God transforms. He will transform your garbage into gold. This is the kind of God, your hurt into healing and health. I I want you to believe in that. Do I hear a loud amen? Tell somebody beside you, God will turn it into good. Whatever it is in your life right now that's causing you distress, He will turn it into gold, into good. And then when when Joseph was, was reconciled with his father, he said, this is what happened, 46, 29 to 30. When they met, Joseph threw his arms around his father's neck and cried for a long time. Jacob said to Joseph, Jacob is the father, I am ready to die now that I have seen you and know that you are still 
alive. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Embracing his father. When I read this verse, I think of my sister. She was away from us for 14, almost 14 years in the U.S. And we missed her terribly. She couldn't come home. But finally she came home after almost 14 years. And we were very happy. But a few months after she came home, she came home in December, but a few months after that she started coughing. She found out that she had cancer of the lungs. Twelve months after she came home, she died. And we were devastated. And we questioned God. And we said, Lord, why? Why? She just barely came home. And then we realized that she came home for this purpose, to die in our arms, in our embrace. My dear friends, can you do this? Two arms. Did God give you two arms? Do you know why He gave you two arms? To embrace. To embrace. And, and my question, have you been using those two arms according to God's design? I hope so. When I speak to OFW families, I tell them three things. Number one, make your separation temporary. Have a deadline. You see, God designed families to live under one roof. Are you listening to me? And I know, I understand, economic hardship, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're separated by miles, but make that temporary. Don't make that permanent. A day will come, you know, you should have a deadline and say, we're going to work at it, we're going to invest, we're going to find a way so that we will all be living under one roof. Number two, make your connection daily. Even if you're separated by miles, create a virtual home whereby through Skype or video calls or, you know, phone call. You know, I have a friend, his name is Roy, his wife is, is Rory, and they're separated right now because Rory's in the U.S. and he's here in the Philippines. But guess what? I was, I was just talking to him the other day. Every single night, they're chatting and talking and laughing and loving together every night. Make your connection daily. Number one, Make your separation temporary. Number two, make your connection daily. Here's number three. Make your vision prophetically. What does that mean? It means that even this separation, God will turn it into good. You understand me? That even this struggle and even this storm that you're going through in your family right now, God will turn it into good. Let's pray together. Are you ready? Everybody say, Father, I thank you that you're speaking to me. Thank you, Father, that whatever I'm going through right now, you're turning it, transforming it, changing it into good. I believe and I trust you. Bless my family. Bless my loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet 
Restoring relationships. Everybody say restoring relationships. It's appropriate that we speak about this because we are actually talking about homecoming. Talk three is about homecoming. And, you know, in the process of, of coming home sometimes, you realize that because you were gone, there was some distance and some separation between you and your family members. Sometimes there's a strain. Everybody say strain. There's a strain and there's a tension that falls in the middle. It develops in the middle if you haven't seen that person for quite some time. You understand what I'm saying? So my question that I want to talk about in the next few minutes is how do we make sure that we are able to reconcile ourselves from the relationships that might have drifted away or might be falling apart right now? And what we've been doing for the last few Sundays is we have been learning from the life of Joseph, yes? We have been learning from the stories of Joseph and using him as a springboard to learn all these valuable insights. So I'm going to tell you again the story of Joseph. At the time when Joseph was already the governor of Egypt, there was a famine. Everybody say famine. There was a famine that broke loose. Now remember that Joseph was the one who came up with a brilliant idea to collect all the grain during the good year, so that when the famine came, which he prophesied through the, pro- through the Pharaoh's dream, they would have food. So you could imagine that people from different countries would travel all the way to Egypt just to buy grain. And that included the ten brothers of Joseph. The same cruel brothers who once upon a time tried to kill him, who plotted against him, who pushed him into a pit, who stripped him of his clothes, off of his robe, and tried to sell him as a slave. Yes? Now here's the exciting part. I love the Bible. You know, stories have a way of just twisting itself. The interesting part was the day that came when Joseph and the brothers would finally meet face to face. But here's the kicker. Joseph's brother didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was. But Joseph knew who they were. Maybe because they didn't know who he was because it was, it, it's been years since it, it, they hadn't seen each other. Plus the fact that they didn't expect him to be in Egypt at that time. And you know, my friends, sometimes you think about it, that happens even with us. When you get separated with people, even if it's a short while or a long, long while, sometimes when you come home or when they come home, sometimes you don't recognize them anymore. Sometimes you don't know who they are anymore. Sometimes they become strangers. For example, Tomas Cruz. Tomas Cruz flies all the way to New York for 10 years. He's working in New York. When he comes home, people are like greeting him, Tomas, Tomas. And Tomas is like, no, it's not Tomas. Call me Tom. Tom Cruz. You know, there's another guy, another guy, Gregorio Talahib. Flies all the way to San Francisco, you know, stays there and then comes home. He's no longer Gregorio Talahib. His new name is George Bush. Another guy by the name of, 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 of uh, 
uh, Juanito Lacarin. Again, my grace to the U.S. or my grace to Canada, wherever. He comes home and his new name is Johnny Walker. You don't recognize them anymore. There's one more. If I remember, Jaime Bondok comes, comes home and now his new name is James Bond. <laughs> I know, that's just silly. But see, it happens. You don't recognize people anymore. And that's what happened with, with, with the brothers. They hadn't seen Joseph for a while. Now, you don't need people in your life who are trying to kill you, who are trying to push you into a pit, or maybe you haven't been sold as a slave. You don't need to experience these things to know what I'm talking about because all you need is that one person, maybe that one friend or that one family member or that one colleague whom you haven't spoken to in years. And now there's distance between both of you and there's tension in the middle. But one morning you see them across the street Going towards your direction, what do you do in that situation? I can tell by the silence here in this room that you're trying to process it. Or maybe you're just bored. I don't know. But here's the thing. Imagine this. The last time Joseph saw his brothers, they sold him to the slave traders. So could you imagine the kind of tangible tension that was brewing inside of Joseph? He must have been feeling all sorts of different emotions. Feelings of anger, feelings of bitterness, feelings of, of, of betrayal, feelings of excitement, yes, feelings of vengeance. You can't blame Joseph for feeling that. And that's what happens. That's what happens. But let me show you. You want to know what Joseph did? Let me read to you what he did. This is what Joseph did. In Genesis 42, verse 14, he says, It is just as I said, Joseph answered. You are spies, he tells this to the brothers. With that, he put them in prison for three days. And on the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man and I will spare your lives on one condition. To prove that you are honest, one of you will stay in the prison where you have been kept. He's talking about Benjamin. The rest of you, the rest of the brothers, may go and take back to your starving families the grain that you have bought. Then you must bring your youngest brother to me. This will prove that you have been telling the truth and I will not put you to death. You know, one thing I love about the Bible is that it doesn't delete any of the messy details. You see here in the readings that, that Joseph was struggling with his emotions. He was wrestling with, with his anger and wrestling with his love towards his brothers. Yeah? Just so, so much the fact that you couldn't even understand why he was doing what he was doing. Joseph put his brothers in prison... And then after three days, he sets them free. And just to make things interesting, he sends them on their way home, the brothers, and he gives food for their trip on the way back home. Why does Joseph do this? Is it because he doesn't really know what he's doing? It doesn't look like Joseph's a a guy of impulse, right? Here's what I think. I believe that Joseph was giving his brothers a test. Everybody say test. He was giving them a test to determine whether or not the brothers have changed or if they were still the same cruel brothers who wanted to kill him. Because sometimes, my friends, you need to do that as well. Before you can heal a wounded relationship around your life, you first need to check, have they changed? Have they become different? But initially, you also got to ask the question, which is the most important, not have they changed, but have I changed? Have I matured? Have I become a better man? 
you could see from the story that Joseph indeed was a better man, a changed man, because he was no longer the, the, the immature kid who wanted the center of attention for himself. Joseph had changed. That's why now he was looking for proof that the brothers had changed. Now I'm going to teach you some things. I'm going to teach you three things. How many? Three things that you need to look for before you can heal a wounded relationship. Do you have wounded relationships in your life? Has anybody wounded you deeply? All right, then you got to listen to this. Before you can heal a relationship, sometimes you need more than forgiveness, all right? Because great relationships are based on trust, not just forgiveness, all right? So three things that you need before you can heal a wounded relationship. Number one, repentance. Everybody say repentance. First thing you need to check is has this person repented? And the truth is, my dear friends, this is going to be hard to hear. You got to learn how to forgive your enemies even before they ask for your forgiveness. You got to do it. I know it doesn't sound as easy as it, as it, as it sounds, but you got to do it. Because it's not for their sake. It's for your sake. It's for your well-being. It's for your happiness. It's for your health. It's for you. Touch your neighbor and say, forgiveness is for you. That's right. And when you think about it, God does the same thing to you as well. He forgives you even before you repent, right? Think about this. God's forgiveness is not the fruit of repentance. Uh-uh. It's the other way around. Repentance is the fruit of God's forgiveness. We repent because we know that God forgives us. Are we clear on that? So again, repairing relationships requires repentance. Can you say repentance? And Joseph's, Joseph saw that in his brothers when he says this. This is the verse that proves that. Speaking amongst themselves, they said, this has all happened because, because of what we did to Joseph long ago. And now they're acknowledging what they did. We saw his terror and anguish and heard his pleadings, but we wouldn't listen. Of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood him as he was standing there, for he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. That's the first test, and the brothers passed the first test. Now the second test, here's the second test. Genesis 42, verse 25. Joseph gave orders to fill his brother's packs with grain, to put each man's money back in his sack, and to give them food for the trip. What was Joseph doing here? What was he testing there? Ask me what? Yung mas mahina pa. Ask me what? Joseph wanted to test their integrity. Everybody say integrity. That's the second thing that you always need to look for before you heal, can heal a wounded relationship. Integrity. Joseph knew that before he could have a relationship with his brothers, he needed to make sure that they were honest. And honesty nowadays, my dear friends, is such a rarity. Because in a world where lying is so rampant that it's become fashionable, you need integrity. Touch your neighbor and say, you need integrity. The truth is, trust is the backbone of all, not some, all relationships. You need trust to make a marriage work. You need trust to make a business partnership work. You need trust to make a friendship work. You hear what I'm saying? Trust is very important in any relationship. That's why Joseph needed to make sure that he could trust his brothers. And they proved it in that verse. So now, only one test was needed. The last requirement that Joseph needed is called 
Selflessness. Everybody say selflessness. How did Joseph test their selflessness? The story goes is that Joseph ordered one of his servants to put his own silver cup, you know, a chalice, his own silver cup into the knapsack or the sack of the youngest brother, Benjamin. And so when Benjamin was caught with a silver cup in his, in his possession, Joseph ordered that Benjamin be put in prison. But then he told that the brothers could go away, go home. But that's not what happened because we see here that one of the brothers, his name is Judah, says, I will stay here as your slave in place of the boy. Let him go back with his brothers. Now, wait a minute. This is Judah. I don't know if you know the story of Joseph, but Judah, Judah was the same brother who not too long ago had this terrible idea of selling Joseph to the slaves. But you could see here now Judah had been a changed man. He was willing to let go of his freedom, to sacrifice his own freedom for the freedom of his youngest brother. And that, my dear friends, is called selflessness. Selflessness. Everybody say selflessness. Now you got three tests that the brothers have, 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 have passed. Number one, repentance. Say repentance. Number two, integrity. Number three, selflessness. Three things that you always need to look for to repair a wounded relationship. And now you're ready to hear my final message. Can I invite everybody to stand up in this place? I don't know if you know it, but we gave you two messages today. First was Brother Bo. He preached that fantastic message. What was his message? That God will turn it into good. Everybody say, God will turn it into good. That's right. So good, by the way. God will turn it into good. And then I preached to you a message just now about how God will restore your relationships, yeah? How God will heal broken relationships in your life. Now I'm going to bring it home. But I need another Bible to do that. I need this. It's not a special Bible. It's just a different Bible with a different version. This is the message version of the Bible, which I love. I was reading this the other day, and I knew I wanted to use it for you guys to hear. This is the reading that will culminate the story of Joseph, of how things developed and how he responded to the situation that he was a victim, but he became a victor, as we all know. But let me read it to you from Genesis chapter 45, verse 4. He says, come closer to me, Joseph said to his brothers. And so they came closer. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't feel badly. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. God was behind it. Everybody say, God was behind it. He says, God sent me here ahead to save lives. Now, those words just resonated and jumped off of the page and spoke to me when he said, God was behind it. God was behind it. God was behind it. So, let's think about it. It wasn't Joseph's plan for him to become the governor. It wasn't the Pharaoh's plan for him to become the, a leader. We find out that God was behind it all along. It was God's plan for Joseph to be in that position. 
The reason why Joseph was so successful in, 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 in his situation was because he had a deep trust in God's plan. How many of you trust that God has a plan for you? All right. I should have asked actually the other way. How many of you believe that God has a plan for you? Raise your hand. Very good. You got to believe that God has a plan for you. Because if God has a plan for you, the devil also has a plan for you. And since the beginning of time, the devil has been plotting against you. He's been planning things against you. So much so that just like Joseph, he's been pushing you, pushing you, pushing you into a pit. That's why sometimes you feel like you're always down. He's been trying to enslave you so much so that you can't, you know, it's hard to move around. The devil has been trying to imprison you so much so that sometimes it's hard to make a sound. That's the plan of the devil. But what the devil didn't know and what we all know is that God had another plan already written down. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, here's God's plan. When Jesus hung on that cross, he said three powerful words. He said, it is finished. It is finished. And the devil, the devil started celebrating because he thought that he had already won. He thought that Jesus was declaring his defeat. But what we all know here is that Jesus wasn't declaring his defeat. He was declaring his victory. He was declaring his victory. Now, let me put it together. You got some things in your life. I got some things in my life that look like it's been defeated. Yes? It looks like it's already gone. It looks like it's already failed. It looks like we've already lost. Just like that marriage that was lost. Just like that business that was lost. Just like that health that you think was lost. Just like that career that you thought was failing already. But that's not the plan. Because God's plan, Jesus says, when He said it is finished, that's the plan. I'm not saying it's a plan. I'm saying that's the plan. That's the only plan you need to know. And so I came here today to announce to someone here that everything in your life, everything in your life up to this point, everything in your life that has gone wrong, God can make it right. God can turn it into good. Because he's the God of the turnaround. He's the God who can turn things around. See, God has this power, only God has this power to rewrite the script. So much so that what went wrong can become what went right. Are you with me? I hope you get this message. I hope you really do. All you need to do, my dear friends, is just to trust that God has a plan for you, that He's got a beautiful story waiting for you. He's got a good future for you. Do you believe this? If you do, lift up your hands in this place, in the presence of God. Let's lift up our faith and everybody say, Dear Jesus, come on, say, Dear Jesus, I have faith. I have trust in your plans. I believe in your plans and I'm excited 
to see the rest of my story. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. Father, we love you. One of my favorite Bible passages in all of Scripture, Romans 8, 28. All things will work for good. All things. It does not say some things. It says all things. That includes your failures. That includes your pain. That includes every struggle you've had. Even, as I said, even your sin. This is how crazy God is. He will transform all things for your good. But you see, the verse does not end there. The verse does not say all things work for good, period. The second part of the verse gives the condition. The verse says all things will work for good with those who love Him. The condition is that you follow Him and you love Him because you're opening up yourself to God to work in your life. He wants to make all things work for good. He really wants to. But many times we resist. You got what I'm saying? Today I'm going to invite you to make a decision. I want to do this every feast. To renew your baptismal promises. Will you decide today to love God? Will you decide today to follow Him? Will you decide today that He is now the center of your life. If you're going to do it today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can, you can just raise up your hands if this is a comfortable posture for you and just say this after me. Jesus, on this day, I renew my commitment, my yes, my heart is yours. My mind is yours. My body is yours. My life is yours. I will love you. I will follow you all the days of my life. And I thank you that all things will work for good. All things. All things. I declare will work for good. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.